versus we're going to be talking about a little bit more serious topic of second week in a row by the way of of representation basically what it means and what is the significance of you know showing a a myriad of of different people in pop culture just showing that you know Asians can be out there black folks can be out there uh, Latinos can be out there women uh, women um, gay lesbian transgender bisexual everybody can just be out there people with and disabilities people with disabilities can be out there just but we want to but we do want to stress we acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of marginalized communities in American society but we are two African American gentlemen, so we feel that it is in the it, we feel it is in the best interest to strictly focus on African American males. Not to say that the other marginalized members of society are not represented. It's just that like we feel we shouldn't be driving the conversation for like the giant umbrella of marginalized society like we feel we're, we'd be like it, it would feel a little bit out of place if we were just like yeah women need to be represented or latinx people need to be represented or the lgbtqia plus community needs to be represented but like we're not 100 percent familiar with that we're 100 percent familiar with the fact that african-american males and black and black females need to be represented but we're coming at it from strictly african-american male point of view Yes, uh, we eventually down the line would like to have a bigger discussion, including a lot more of the, of the uh, peoples from the communities we talked about. And that will happen later. That will happen later on. Um, but right now we're just talking about African-American males because that's all I feel like we are qualified. Qualified, yeah. That's the right word, qualified. Um, Although I do have, I do definitely know for sure there's a couple of points that I have to make that involve other uh peoples of other persuasions and if i'm wrong you know what like we talked about in the last podcast if i'm wrong just come at me let me know how i was insensitive or what i said that was fucked up and i'll gladly apologize and be like thanks for letting me know that i didn't know that you schooled me and now i'm better for it what is representation let's just let's just get into this my definition being able to see your culture, whatever you identify with, in areas of life, media, entertainment, sports, politics, whatever. Um, I would also define it as such, but I would define it as seeing accurate representations of a culture. Accurate, well-rounded depictions of a culture depicted. Okay. And this kind of thing is important. It's important because I, I feel it gives that culture, and in this specificity, we are talking about black men, the sense of you can be whatever that thing is that you see on television, you hear on radio. If you want to feel you can be a superhero, there's stuff for that. If you want to feel you can be a great athlete, there's stuff for that. If you want to feel you can be president, there's an example of that. So say so that's your definition. Your definition is you think 
that representation is necessary for people to be able to see what's possible and what they can become and things like that. I think it's part of it. I think it's less about that. Okay. Basically, what we do with pop culture or what pop culture does is it validates an identity. So that's true. I think it's more important to have my identity validated because listen, I'm aware that I can be a lawyer or a doctor or a zookeeper or whatever it is, <laughs> but it's more important that through pop culture, that culture tells me, Hey, you as a black man are valuable to this culture. Right. And that I think is more important than trying to signal you can do this or you can do that or you can whatever. It's both. Because for the most part, for the most part, depictions of African-American males pretty much only tell you you can be like three things. So a rapper, a basketball player or a drug dealer or a drug dealer. Yeah. Bang. I mean, that's it. That, that's pretty much it. Um, there, there, there are more examples. I'm just saying and like up until, I don't know, last 15, 20 years or so, last like things week. Just, the last week, uh, there, there's been a shift growing up. I mean, you were born in 1975. I was born in 1980. Thanks we get it. me, Dick. Listen, we're old. Listen, listen, I told you, I've told you on the anchor statistics, we are killing the 35 to 44 market. So what if that's who we are identifying with catering to? That's fine. I'll take it. When we were growing up, like most of what I saw on television with some exceptions, like very few exceptions, it's mostly all white guys. I'm going to have to push back against that also. Okay. I'm not saying there weren't examples. I'm just saying there weren't that many. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot to choose from. If you were looking for African-American pop culture figures, the list was pretty short. I will agree that the list was short, but Black Americans were at the top of all of those lists. I happened to grow up in a time where the biggest movie star in the world, the biggest, two of the biggest pop stars in the world, the biggest television star in the world, and the biggest athlete in the world were all black people, black men. Okay. Um, now, did that, I think that made me feel validated. And I think that the word validation is more important because when you when you see yourself on the screen or on tv or in 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 the media and you see that here is this person he's just like me he's out there getting accepted they're telling him he's valuable that he's worth they listen to him they they value what he has to say that's important so the quality of being at the top of various pop culture outlets is more impactful than having a whole bunch of quantity out there we can have a whole bunch of quantity out there, or we can have the number one in a couple of different places. I mean, listen, when you have Eddie Murphy out there just being the dopest dude, just killing in it, in the, it tells two signals. It says, yes, 
Axel Foley is a dope character, but also Eddie Murphy as a black man is someone that gets to get by because he's a dope human being, right? Not because of any other reason than he's just the dopest. He's uh-huh. the best, and and he gets to show that off and show he gets off to do his thing. Same with Jordan. Same with Michael Jackson and Prince and that asshole Cosby. Fucking um, Cosby. Fucking Cosby. God um, damn it. I grew up in a time, and I'm going to talk about comic book media. My personal first exposure to black characters in comics was probably Storm. And that didn't come until like 92 with the X-Men animated series. And then that later pushed me into Bishop, who I stand for, for reasons that you don't understand, which is fine. And I didn't part of a wave of lame ass characters in the nineties. <laughs> Teeves does way too much shitting on Bishop, and I really don't know why, but we'll that we'll discuss that. Black Panther, I didn't really get into because I didn't know he was a fucking thing until uh Ta-Nehisi's book. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. That's unfortunate. That really is unfortunate. How do you know about Storm and not know about the Black Panther? Because, like I said, the X-Men the Animated Series was the cartoon to watch when I was like 12, 13 years old. Gotcha. Like, that was so, it. Yes. There's no crossover, really. Okay. And the John so, Stewart Green Lantern was late, was way late. I, I think that was like late 90s, early 2000s, too. So let me ask you this. Sure. Do you feel like your experience was invalidated or why don't you tell me what having these characters or having exposure to these characters meant to you or did for you or what what i think because the superhero movies that i had seen heard about everything else cartoons whatever there was batman there was superman there was spider-man and they were all white guys. Okay, so, now what? how did that impact you, though, in terms of my favorite cartoon growing up is probably Spider-Man from 1967. <laughs> At no time, to- I would like, to- I would pretend to be Spider-Man. I would pretend to swing all over the place with imaginary webs and crawl all over anything. At no point ever did I think in my head, I can't do this because I'm not white. Okay. I don't think I don't think I felt that way. And looking back, uh, I think my thought process was more a question of, hey, are there black superheroes? Not that I didn't have the sense that I couldn't do these things because they were white guys, but the sense that, hey, are there black superheroes comic book characters that i should know about because i feel like i'm missing out on stuff i think that's what it was i think it was more the feeling of fomo the fear that i'm missing out on some african-american characters that i really need to start deep diving into and i looking back i feel like i missed out on a whole bunch of stuff because okay okay i would say for, and I'm going to speak for myself here. Largely, cartoons were part 
of what really brought me into pop culture before it was comic books. I didn't really get into comics until I had until I started making my own money. When I was growing up, comics went through the whole transition when yes, when I first started, I could go to a newsstand and buy some, but not too long after that, I could only get them at comic book stores. Right. And I needed my own money and I needed access to a comic book store to be able to do that. Um shout out Fat Jackson in a written house in Philadelphia. Shout out Fat Jacks. But also shout out to the 7-Eleven on 43rd. No, shout out to the se- you know what? Shout out to the 7-Eleven on 45th and Walnut, which is where I started my comic book collection. It's probably wow. not there anymore. But uh, that's right. They just had a metal spinner. And I'd go in with whatever change I had in my pocket. I'm working at Grandpa's newsstand. And I go there and I buy, yeah, my, yeah. I buy my issues of Incredible Hulk and X-Men and whoever else I was collecting. Shout out oh. Little Dad for that fucking newsstand. Put, put, put so much of the family through comic books. Shout out that newsstand. Jesus. Shout out to the newsstand. But that didn't happen until I was like 10, 11, 12 years old, old enough to work the newsstand and have my own money. Right. My parents weren't giving me any money to get fucking uh, comic books. That wasn't happening. They barely had enough money for me to uh, get to school every day and put food on table, money for comic books, get out of here. Yeah. So a lot of my exposure to this pop culture stuff came from TV. On TV at the time... You had Masters of the Universe. You had Transformers. Transformers. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Those are the big three. Masters of the Universe, although there's not any characters that are specifically black, I feel like there's a wide <laughs> range of different <laughs> fucking folks represented there. Yeah. Um, with Transformers, I could see myself as any of those giant talking robots. You know what I mean? It didn't. I, it doesn't like Optimus Prime is neither black nor white. He's a truck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I. I mean, I will go on record as saying that Soundwave and Blaster were definitely black. If I had to choose, it was, it was those two guys. You're saying that now, looking back in hindsight. But when I was watching that shit, I was never like, "Oh, these dudes are clearly black dudes." I don't know um, if that's stereotypical, and if it is because like the two radios are black, that I apologize. I get that. G.I. Joe specifically had a bevy of black characters in it, and shouts out to them. Roadblock. Doc and Roadblock and Stalker and all these dudes. Um, I'm still Snake not eyes. I'm yeah, I'm still not hundred percent convinced that Snake Eyes wasn't black. I mean, there's nothing to say that um does he take off his gloves? Yeah, I think he takes off his gloves. Does he some ruby crystals? Okay, yeah, all right. White under there. We'll but, we'll check uh, the tapes. We'll check the tapes. We'll check the tapes. But um, you know, G.I. Joe actually did a really good job trying to include as many folks as possible. Not in the first couple, se- like the first season's pretty white. There's just Stalker and Doc, maybe. But then, you know, you get into some bad stuff. You get spirit, fucking quick kick. <laughs> Not great, but they're there. They're, they're, they're there. Stereotypes, but they are there. They are there. Oh. And then you get uh, and then you get Big Love in uh, G.I. Joe the movie, but that's way, way later. So my point is, my exposure to pop culture and my thought that 
African-American males were included in pop culture came from this kind of inclusive spirit that was present in, in the um, cartoons of the day. Now, comic books is different um, because comic books is trying to do something different than those cartoon shows were. They're trying to have, those cartoons were trying to have the broadest appeal to the most amount of people because they're trying to sell toys. Right. Comic books not so much. are not interested in that. No. Comic books are trying to tell their own stories about their own characters to sell more comic books. So, again, I would ask you, do you remember at any time feeling like when you were a kid wanting or needing or like yearning to see more as a kid, probably not. As a kid, probably not. Um, this might be more looking in hindsight than anything else. It's hard not to do it. It's hard not to do it. And I think part of the problem is people, people who would say we need to make these changes or we need to show more of X so that that kid knows what he can be or so that kid can see himself. It's like, I, I deal with kids all the time and trust me, they have no problem seeing themselves in anything. <laughs> that is not the issue. Right. The issue is not that my, that my five-year-old godson doesn't see himself in Optimus Prime. He totally sees himself in Optimus Prime. He's, doesn't matter to him. He, he dressed okay. as Optimus Prime for Comic-Con. He's going to dress up like Black Panther and he's Latino. So I support it. I support that. It doesn't matter. He can see himself in Black Panther. He can see himself in Captain America. He can see himself in all that stuff. And I think what we need to do is we need to be real about what we really want and why we really are saying that this is important. And again, I get back to the idea of cultural validation uh, because the culture is going. Through pop, through its media, through what it decides to make popular, the culture decides what it validates and what it invalidates. And to see people of color and African American males like myself being validated just by being allowed to exist and live in those worlds and be listened to and be on the same level as every other character is important. They can't, just being there is not enough. Like you have to, they have to be valued and you know part of the team and as much and as the... as much as anyone else, right? And this is, I think, the problem with doing things like race switching or gender switching, which I'm I might have jumped the gun on that topic, but I thought it was a good place to segue. Yeah. Um, I did want to start because you are talking about uh, representation and the culture and maybe woke culture has a little bit to bleed in here with Black Panther and Luke Cage. And we'll start there and we'll just keep going from there. Do you think they would have happened if not for like this, like the movies? I mean, the, the Black Panther movie and the Luke Cage TV show, would they have happened if not for the push to have more African-Americans on the screen similar to where you see, you know, Captain America and Iron Man, the Hulk and Thor and all this, all this stuff. Hey, let me ask you this. 
are those the only black superheroes in media that you can think of? Uh, the only other one that I may have left out is Blade. Yes. So the Blade movie came out number one when there were no other superhero movies out. Yeah, that was, was it. No it was other Blade fronted action movies coming out. There was, and there nothing. was nothing else. That movie came out. It was a black fronted superhero movie and it did well. It, it was did dope. Very well. It was, it was dope. dope. So this proves the point that you don't need a particular environment as long as you're telling a dope story about a dope character people will come watch it right? all right do you watch uh black lightning on the cw have you I ever seen it? um I've, i don't think i've seen i don't think i have ever read or watched any property with the character black Lightning. okay so you haven't watched or seen any of that and then the Ray Fisher slash cyborg character, you you have some feelings about that, right? Do I? I don't think I do. I think that he's only in that movie because they realized there were no black people in the Justice League. <laughs> oh, that's um, a good that's a good point. Is Cyborg in the original Justice League? I didn't think he was. Well, listen, the earliest I can remember any exposure to the Justice League is from the Super Friends. TV show from the late 70s and early 80s. Right. And there was not really anybody of color in there except for Apache Chief. Oh. Um, Black Lightning came later, much yeah, later. much later. But Cyborg wasn't in that lineup. There was another show uh, that came later that had Cyborg in it. I can't remember exactly, but um, the character himself, I think, only sprang up as a response to, like, Terminator and Robocop, so... <laughs> Again, here's the thing. Why don't we go dig through the DC annals and find all why don't we find a bunch of great cyborg stories and you know transfer them to oh you can't. Oh you because can't. There are, there there are, is, there are no great cyborg stories. Because is there even a cyborg book? I don't even know. Because there's never been a cyborg book and he's kind of just a token character. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Now we'll get into this. The idea of kind of what you were hinting at, uh, what I am going to call uh, secondhand representation. And this is what I mean by that. Riri Williams, Ironheart, it's, it's, just, it's just the black Iron Man. Isaiah Bradley, Sam Wilson, Captain America, it's the black Captain America. Actually, I would argue with you about Isaiah Bradley. but Okay, make your argument. Go ahead. Isaiah Bradley's story is dope in its own right, and I hope that it gets brought to because Isaiah he's Isaiah Bradley is not just some other dude. He's the product of a bunch of experiments to perfect the super soldier serum. So basically, and there was a Tuskegee a, element, right? Right. They did a bunch of experiments on black folks to make sure they had the right formula before they gave it to the white boy. That's right. actually different, and that actually lends a lot to his character, and it actually brings history, the history of African-American males into his character. It's I like not, that, actually. It's not like, oh, so Captain America's just black now. <laughs> this is what's happening. Um, hey, hey, Kevin, Kevin Feige, if you need somebody to write the Isaiah Bradley's Captain America story, hit us up. 
That's all I you really gotta do. Would love, I really would love to see that particular part of the story told. But um, <laughs> and now would be the perfect time. But now would be the not, perfect time. But you know, happen. you know, um, they, they did. They're doing the Sam Wilson thing, which is fine. But Miles Morales, the Jane Foster Thor. That's those um, are good ones. Those are good examples. Riri Williams. Any character that is obviously that any any character that is a BIPOC that is taking on the mantle of an established white character. Right. I think it is an example of... It hits a little different. It's not great representation. No, because... really. Yeah, because you... We have different feelings between characters like that and characters such as Black Panther, Luke Cage, Blade, that have been traditionally and originally described as african-american males it just hits different because we're not out here claiming something that once belonged to a white guy like these were things that were imagined for african-american males yeah the other thing is there's some there's this aspect too so when you talk about iron man captain america and whatever and you turn these and you change a thor when you change these characters when you change their race gender or whatever you're kind of sending the message that original bipoc characters are never on the same level as these established white characters the only right. way they can get this level of legitimacy is to actually become iron man Right, right, and that's bullshit of on the highest order because <laughs> there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't have a BIPOC character that gets on that level. Black Panther is approaching it. I would say he's not there yet, but with this movie, he got very close to it. And the problem is, you cannot skip step. You cannot put a character on the same footing as your A plus plus characters. This actually solves a lot of problems for the comic book companies because they get to say, hey, we're showing diversity. We're bringing in all these different things. Correct. Meanwhile, we know you're not real. Like, you get to have your cake and eat it, too. You get to try out a new character. But if it doesn't work, you get to go back and you get to say, oh, well, we tried it and nobody liked it. It's like, it's like placation and... I, I guess for lack of a better term, affirmative action, a little bit of both. Yeah, something like that. Whereas if you really wanted to push a character into the forefront and make him that high of a level, you could take a new BIPOC character and put him in that position. Case in point, do you know the character Sentry in Marvel? Yes, I do. Okay. There's no reason Sentry needed to be a white guy. He was a totally new character that you just decided to put in there. Yeah. Raised to the same level as like Hulk and actually raised above Hulk and Kevin <laughs> and all these fucking people. You can make new characters and decide, hey, we're going to put them exactly at the same level. You just you just decide to not make him black or not make him BIPOC or not make him anything other than just another random white boy again. So 
just for people who don't know, Sentry is kind of this character that was introduced to the Marvel universe. And if he shows up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know they're out of ideas. <laughs> um, but basically, Sentry is like uber powerful. I, he's supposed to be like he's supposed to be on par with say like a Superman. Right. And he's supposed to have been in the Marvel Universe all along. Just no one ever talked about him <laughs> until now. So, but so he can go toe to toe with the Hulk. So basically, what you're saying Hulk. is, as soon as Sentry comes into the MCU, they've officially run out of ideas. As soon as Sentry comes into the MCU, that's the fucking that's the bell tolling. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> they are done. <laughs> Because Sentry is Sentry is basically a walking, talking plot contrivance. He's a get out of fucking jail free card for writers. Um, but again, in order to be that and to do that job, he would have to be a character that is on par with Marvel A-listers. And there was no reason for this character to be white. You were creating a new character out of whole cloth. You were saying, we're going to put this guy on this level. Made him a white guy. No reason for it. Is there a sense of tone deafness there? Maybe not tone deafness, but like the fear of taking that risk? I mean, yeah, of course, like, you know, the company is always going to feel that uh, characters of color are going to be more risky than white characters. Um, but also, it's just people have blind spots like people just don't think about when they're when they're thinking about characters in their head the genesis of them they just don't i myself have this problem and i am an african-american male when i'm conceiving of characters or thinking of people i tend to not think of african-americans or other people of color first i actually have to walk it back and be like is there any reason this character can't be this no so make them this you know yeah does making the character this make him more interesting? Yeah. I think it does. Or would the character benefit from changes? Yes. Okay. Perfect example. Perfect example. I was writing a story about a guy who is basically a tour guide for time travelers. So basically there's people who go back in time, but there's this tour guide company that you go, you pay them, They, you and your party get to go back to whatever time you want to go back to, get to hang out, get to do whatever, and get to come back. Like those tour, like those double-decker city tour buses? Not quite. It's like an excursion, but an excursion into the past. It's fine. All right. Um, so I was, as I was writing about this, and I was writing it and conceiving of it, I was like, is there any reason my lead time travel tour guy needs to be white? No, not really. Does making him something else add or give you something else that you can use in the story? Right. And I said, you know what? We've never seen an African-American time traveler before. That could be interesting predicaments that would generally lead to scenarios that would be different than what we've seen before and more interesting. I think I'll do that. Yeah, you know? it, it makes it makes it a lot more interesting if this time traveling figure was, you know, African American and going to like the Civil War era. Like that that yeah. would be interesting as hell. So basically any time before, before like 1980. 1980. 
I will say, in terms, and I'm going to go back to the... Uh, oh, by the way, I could never finish that story because time travel stories make my head hurt. But <laughs> uh, go ahead. Teams and Kid Phoenix versus time travel paradox. It's coming. Oh. Yeah, we should. That has to happen. Oh my God, dude! No, no, because then my head's gonna hurt. Getting back to the point about, I guess, second-hand representation, hand-me-down representation. This is the this is one of the exceptions that I make, and that's the John Stewart Green Lantern, because it goes into your idea that yes, it is a Green Lantern that has happens to be African American, but he's not like co-opting something that originally was conceived as white it's more of like it's more like an idea right the origins of the green lantern right not white dudes the guardians of the universe the guys that started the whole thing and oa and all like that they were only described as humanoid you make your you can make your own assumptions if you want to but there was no like race as we know it you know black white whatever john stewart is the black green lantern but he's not that because you know hal jordan guy gardner were white he's that because he happens to have a green power ring and he's black similar to isaiah bradley captain america he was experimented on similar to captain america they just never really produced that isaiah bradley comic John Stewart Green Lantern, same kind of idea. And he is, I'll come out and say it. He's the one Green Lantern that people probably know about the most. So the main difference is um, Batman is a guy, is Bruce Wayne. He's a guy. Superman is a guy. He's Clark Kent. Spider-Man is a guy. He's Peter Parker. Right. Green Lantern is a job. Yes. Green Lantern is a job that you, it's like if, <laughs> it's like if lawyer was the name <laughs> of the book. And like anybody can be lawyer, right? Phoenix Wright. Anybody. But like Superman is a guy. Right now, they try to do this in Marvel. They try to make Captain America a job. And I think that is why. I'm more open to the idea of like an, an Isaiah Bradley coming in and doing that job because we've seen Bucky Barnes have that job. We've seen. Um, We're going to see Sam Wilson do it. We've seen Sam Wilson have that job. We've seen Steve Rogers. We've seen a bunch of different people have that job. So there's nothing to say that Captain America needs to 100% be Steve Rogers all the time. But that's a good point. That's a good point. I like that. But. Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Um, Batman is Bruce Wayne. Batman is Bruce Wayne. Like, I'm not saying that... What I'm saying is th these characters and their psyches and their traumas and all the stuff that they've gone through is what makes these characters why we like these characters. Right. right. Um, Miles Morales is a fine character in his own right, but he doesn't have the same emotional hits that Peter Parker does. Basically, it seems like you're just trying to tell Peter Parker, you're telling Peter Parker's story beats in a disingenuous way because you're trying to arrive at a Peter Parker instead of letting this character have his own journey. 
kind of like what you were talking about with uh in the fan service podcast you know force awakens was basically a step-for-step beat-for-beat recreation of star wars 1977 are you kind of saying that like miles morales is kind of doing the same thing because miles morales is spider-man spider-man has a bunch of things that go along with him that nest that don't necessarily attach to the character of miles morales right does Miles Morales have an Uncle Ben that dies that tells him that you need to use your powers to help people and not for selfish reasons? Does Peter Parker have an ailing Aunt May, or not an ailing, but like a doting Aunt May? Right. Struggling so, to do it by herself. Is Miles Morales like a super genius level uh, inventor or, or just a, a super smart dude that would even get invited to this cool science shit in the first place. Because Miles <laughs> Morales like take photos like how is Miles Morales even in the, I don't know much about Ultimate Spider-Man, but how is he even in the position to get bitten by a radioactive spider? I remember what happened in Spider-Verse and is if that is note for note what happened in the comics then fine, but my point is a lot of the paradigm of what you think about Spider-Man is attached to Peter Parker. And when you try to attach Spider-Man to a different character, not everything from the paradigm transfers over. Yeah, you naturally want to bring everything about the Peter Parker backstory to the Miles Morales backstory, because in your head, that's immediately where you go to. I see what you're saying. Right. Um, And it's the same thing with Batman and Superman. Like, if there was all of a sudden to be a black Batman, would you be like, well, did his parents get shot in an alley too? Is he also super rich? Like, what? You have to tell all this other backstory to make this new character fit into the mold of an already of a character that you've already done. Which why don't you just make it? Why don't you just character? make a new character? <laughs> Would Riri Williams had hit a lot better, in your opinion, if it wasn't attached to Iron Man? If Riri Williams was a straight up brand new character in the Marvel Universe, own character, own backstory, original, not having anything to do with Iron Man, more or less positive, you think? Great example. Okay. Riri Williams is a super genius inventor. Um, like heir to Tony Stark becomes Ironheart, whatever. Yeah. Shuri yes. is pretty much the same character, but because Shuri is Shuri and Riri Williams is just Iron Man, I'm way more excited to see what happens with Shuri now than I am because I know what's going to happen with Riri. She's going to be Iron Man for a while. Tony Stark is going to come back and then she's going to be whatever on the B team or war machine or yeah. whatever. But Shuri, with Shuri, I don't know because is Shuri, she going to become the Black Panther now? Right. What does that mean for any, like the whole world is open to this, to Shuri, but Riri Williams can do like four things. She can um, die. She can give up the Iron Man title. Like, And it gets back into the idea that with the John Stewart Green Lantern, it's Shuri, and we're talking about African-American females now, it's Shuri taking the mantle of basically a quote-unquote job, right? 
Black Panther is a job, but I think the tra- I think Chadwick's tragic death actually opens up the door to more interest because I think they're going to have to do more with that character than I think they would have done otherwise. And really? I'm super interested to see what direction they take it in because there are there is a, an arc in the comics where Shuri becomes Black Panther. Yes. And all that stuff seems super seems way in, way more interesting to me than to see Black Iron Woman. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's she going to do? She's going to fight all of Iron Man's villains and like Crimson Dynamo is going to be like, oh, you're a black girl now? That's crazy. And then, <laughs> like, and then like Tony Stark is going to come back. Like what else is going to happen? <laughs> There's, there is a limited amount of things that Riri Williams can, you know, there's only a few ways that that character can go. And you, it's, but, it's kind but, of a shame. Yeah. It's kind of That's a shame because it sounds like she would be a really dope character if she was just by herself. Or if you had thought of that character as what is she on her own aside right. from, you know? In the future and beyond, the chances being taken, and I don't know if they're necessarily a chance, whatever. If you have the money, fuck it, make the movies, whatever. Because Marvel has a license to print money. Um, Miles Morales, like, that's that definitely coming because of the popularity of the Spider-Verse and the PS5 game. He's going to be in the MCU at some point. He's not going to be in the MCU. Why would he be in the MCU? Are you sure? Why wouldn't it, Sony spin him off into his own movies that fucking they don't have to share with Marvel? They've already hinted at it, kind of, with uh, in the first Spider-Man movie. Yeah, and, what I'm saying... Oh, I'm sorry. What, what I'm saying is, if Peter Parker goes away or whatever, and I'm Sony, why would I then... If I have a chance to have a clean slate, why would I then start up the partnership with Marvel just to have this character in the Marvel universe? So similar to what they did with Venom, for example. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I take that opportunity to to keep everything enclosed again now that clearly somebody on my team knows what to do? And I just take (laughs) all my Spider-Verse people and I say, okay, you're running this now. So you make this happen. Okay. I, I that's that would actually be kind of dope. I'm not gonna lie. You have Tom Holland on one side of the coin, and then in a different part of like New York, you know, he's messing around in like the Bronx or whatever. Miles Morales is doing his Bronx thing, Peter Parker is hanging out with the Avengers. That that's that's a dope universe to kind of set up. Or maybe or look, Holland's Holland's contract is up after this movie, right? I believe so. He doesn't who's to say he doesn't re-sign with Marvel instead of with Sony. Interesting. I mean, although you couldn't do that because Sony would still own the rights to the character, so you can't have there, him come in as Spider-Man. There would be, be more recasting out. and all that nonsense, and then we have to do Spider-Man origin stories again, which nobody but still wants. the idea is, yeah, Miles probably comes in, but not into the I would say he probably would not come into the MCU. He would probably come into whatever Sony decides to do with Spider-Man going forward. Okay. This next one is very personal to me. Warner DC. This is the second idea that we've given you in the last what three podcasts yeah because we gave him hawkman we gave him wonder twins 
We did not give them. Look, if you make a wonderful <laughs> movie, I don't know. They made Guardians of the Galaxy work, so who the fuck knows? But I really don't see it. The John Stewart Green Lantern movie is right there. Just I know you want to do. I know you want to do a Green Lantern core movie. That's the wrong play. You do a John Stewart Green Lantern movie. I'm telling you. It may not have it may not hit the same as Marvel hit with Black Panther. Might not, it might who knows. But I suggest you take that shot. You did the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie, and the casting is the only thing that you got right, Warner DC. And I talked to Ativa about this a couple different times, and he made this brilliant point. I'm gonna ask him to expand on this a little bit better. When you made the movie back then, it was just the wrong time. Now that you've had movies like Thor Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy, and you got and like the Eternals, like Marvel's gonna you can see all kinds of shit. What's going on with that? There are better examples of how you can make a Green Lantern movie in the scope of like a different space universe. And if you're gonna do that, I suggest you use John Stewart. Yes, also, ben, uh, Guardians and Thor Ragnarok benefit from the fact that they are not the, the only movies in their respective universes. Um, uh, when that Green Lantern movie came out, there were no other Warner movies, really, besides, like, Dark Knight. Yeah. And those two worlds don't really connect. Right. But now I think because of Snyder's Justice League and because of how batshit insane Aquaman is, <laughs> you can totally do. Um, and I want to be very clear. I don't want Zack Snyder anywhere near this fucking project. I'm going to be very clear about that right I mean, now. Zack Snyder's probably not the guy. We discussed this. Want, yeah, you probably want somebody with different sensibilities. I don't need to go into exactly who that is now, but it's got to be somebody that's going to understand how all these weird pieces connect. But yeah, I know that the it's going to be a rush to get into the Green Lantern core, but you have to hold off on that. Yeah, like, you can't just go to the core, man. You can't. If like I, you have your whole first movie uh, be about Jon Stewart, and then at the end have Kilowog show up or whatever can happen. Um, we we actually we actually ironed out a whole three piece Jon Stewart uh, timeline. And it's dope. And we need to tell you about this. And we're giving Hollywood more free ideas. And God damn it. We, oh my God, Hollywood. Okay. So the John Stewart Green Lantern movie that we, the, the Royster Brothers John Stewart Green Lantern project. It's going to be three movies long, possibly more. And Atiba and I, Teebs and I agree that at the third movie, similar to how you had Iron Man and you had Thor and then you had Captain America, that fourth movie, that's when you can put in the core because that fourth movie is just going to be called Blackest Night. That's it. Yeah. You get I mean, to look. that arc because that is one of the dopest story arcs for DC over the last, what, 25 years? Listen, if I'm running Warner, if I'm running all that stuff, First of all, put I'm, your Ralph Cramden hat back on. Okay, I'm, I'm putting I'm putting on my, my Ralph Cramden hat. But 
Oh, so people would say you should be moving to crisis on infinite earths. That's crisis That's doesn't much. make sense. Period. It's. I mean, unless you just want to erase everything Zack Snyder did, in which case, more power to more you. power to you. <laughs> but <laughs> like moving, there are, there are certain things you can do. You could do. You can do Blackest Night. You can do Flashpoint. Flashpoint is cool. But but of all these, Blackest Night is probably the coolest. It's the coolest one. And, you know, in your first movie, your first movie needs to be about Jon Stewart, how he gets the ring, figuring out how it works, using its powers, fighting someone who will be fighting the Black Hand. Who is William Hand in the first movie. Very but at the at the at the end he'll at the end we'll have like the teaser where he finds like the spare ring or whatever something like that. Like I'm just we're just feeding you ideas, Hollywood. Just go right ahead. Right then in the second then like the teaser or at the end of the first movie, like I said, Kilowog comes down or the Guardians come down and they're like, "Listen, you need to come with us to Oa," and then like start training all that shit. Then the second movie is John Stewart on Oa meeting all the other lanterns and oh everybody looks up to this the greatest lantern sinestro he's the greatest and but you know john stewart's like i don't know i got a funny feeling about this guy and then you know turns out sinestro's into some horrible real real crooked shit john stewart finds out about it gets him kicked out of the core he's pissed he finds the yellow ring he comes back and he tries to take it out on everybody now that we now now we've established that there are more than just green rings, right? Okay. Um, as the third movie will wait, be wait, our... wait, 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 wait. The teaser for the for the third or at the end of the second movie, um, either Black Hand's hand comes up with the Black Power Ring, or just some other different. Or Atrolicus uh, comes uh, up. Or, hey, say it right. Atrocitus. I don't know how to say it. Atro- I've, never heard, I've actually never heard it pronounced in actual uh, words. Atrocitus. Atrocitus shows up with the Red Lanterns or something happens. We get more colors involved. And then by the third movie, it's like full on into Blackest Night. Dope. There you go, Hollywood. We gave you that for free. For free. I mean, if you still want to roll up to, you know, our houses with, you know, briefcases with non-sequential bills we'll send we'll gladly send you our address non-sequential non-sequential very important i don't want these bills to be traced (laughs) (laughs) i need to be about my privacy (laughs) um another idea that i had as far as uh african-american male representation uh blue marvel yeah i know the character was originally marvel boy but maybe that's too much of a stretch I don't know very much about this character, and I feel like he was just an invention to have a black character in the mix. Okay. Uh, um, he was He's not an original black character, so I really don't care much. <laughs> uh, here's one other original black character. Might actually be getting a reboot. I'm actually kind of excited about it because I remember the cartoon show. Um According to a 2020 interview with Reginald Hudlin, he's working on a Static reboot. I'm fucking in. I would watch Static, but, you know, that's fine. Right? Like, you get you get Static, and then, like, I hate to go beat for beat, shot for shot with it, but you do the same thing with Static 
that Warner DC did with Shazam. You do the exact same thing. And that static reboot would be mm. dope as hell. Maybe you make it a little bit more hip hop. But... A little bit more hip hop. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like young okay, kid, young kid gets these powers and he's just like he's just having fun and just doing stupid shit and charging people's phones and shit with it. I mean, that's I never loved the character because I mean he's got electricity powers, great, but like his powers were never really like sent me over the moon. But um it was just funny to see that kind the of idea, character. Like the idea was great. Superhero, a hip hop superhero was dope. I just wish he had better powers. That's all. A, a hip hop, a hip hop teenage superhero. Yeah. So basically, like, okay, I hate to even say it, but you know, Spider Man, if he was, you know, black with electric. Okay, never mind. I'm just not even gonna draw that parallel. Just, I'm just gonna. Yeah, stop but the right idea there. is there. Here's a white teen, and he gets powers, and how he deals with it. Here's a black teen, and he gets powers, and how he deals with it. Right. Not, here's a black guy that gets exactly exactly the same, the same powers. powers. Right. I I think we've given Hollywood a lot here. I think we've given them a lot to think about. Okay, Hollywood, we've paid you back for the decades of entertainment. (laughs) We're even now. We're even. We are even. Now we need money. Now Now we need need money. money. Yeah. Now now we're not giving this away for free anymore. Uh, We are still giving away this content for free, though, or at least until we get these Casper checks. At least until we get Casper checks. Yes. (laughs) The content keeps going. Two. Two episodes to go. Two episodes left. Don't remember to link, sub. You mean like don't us. forget to don't forget to do that. I said don't forget to like. Okay. Sub. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your mama about the show. We have two more episodes, and then we're taking a little hiatus. We're pulling the we're pulling the AMC Walking Dead mid season finale move. We're doing that. Yes. Um, so we're going to take a break and we're going to be back with fresh new content from here all day. Like I know the last two podcasts have been pretty serious. Next time we're going to be back to fart jokes. <laughs> we're going to be back to dick and fart jokes. Yeah. But these, listen, like you said before, it's important for people to know that we're just not two clowns out here just saying shit. Oh, we are two clowns just saying shit, but sometimes that shit is pointless. (laughs) Poignant. Poignant. Sorry. Episodes nine and ten. Um, the mid-season finale is gonna be fantastic. I'm just we we have all this written down, and I'm telling you, it's gonna be fucking incredible. We may have to break it up into two parts because who knows how fucking long it's gonna be. So we'll see how that works out. But in the meantime. Like, subscribe, follow us on Twitter, on the social medias. I am Kid Phoenix at Adil B. Royster. Teeves is Atiba K. Follow the show, Teeves and Kid Phoenix. Teeves and Kids Versus on Twitter. Like, subscribe us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. If you follow us on Apple Podcasts, hit us up, give us a rating, give us a review, uh, because that makes us look good to future advertisers. It makes us look good to future advertisers like Casper. Listen, uh, do your part. Do your part to get us this mattress money. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's the podcast. We're getting out of here. Go yeah, home. We're getting out of here. What are you doing? Go here? home. Why? Go I home. got nothing left for you. Go what home. Do you want? <laughs> <laughs>